Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy, dedicated to celebrating women like you as you embrace a new beginning after divorce, separation, or whatever. I'm Mandy Walker, and I'm your host. Consider this. Your diamond ring, bridal set, or other diamond jewelry can be a hidden financial asset that helps you with that fresh start. But selling jewelry can be a nightmare. Worthy offers an easy, headache-free solution by partnering with you to help you sell your jewelry and get the best deal on your piece. Our quick and easy process means less work for you and more money when you sell, all done from the comfort of your home. Visit worthy.com to learn more. For this episode, we're talking about handling the retirement assets in divorce. That's that alphabet suit, the IRAs, the Roths, the 401ks, the 457s, and pensions. Now, if you're starting to tune me out, stop. I know these these can be dry topics. Not everybody loves talking about them, and they can be hard to grasp, but divorce is about your financial future. And understanding where you are with your retirement assets is the start of that future. My guest today is financial expert Stacey Francis. Stacy has a number of financial qualifications, CFP, CDFA, a divorce financial strategist, certified estate and trust specialist. She's passionate about educating and empowering women to take control of their finances. And she's the founder of the nonprofit Savvy Ladies, which has helped over 20,000 women through one-on-one financial counseling. Welcome, Stacy. Great to be here. I am so glad you're here. And I wanted to start off with like, when I first start working with a client, the first thing I do is to understand the different types of retirement assets they have, and then to try and explain that to them. Because I think it's that's important because it impacts how those assets are valued. It impacts how they might be taxed and it impacts the rules on dividing them. But I know if you have not been the person in your household who's been managing the finances, I mean, you might've been paying the household bills, but financial management is a little different. And maybe your retirement contributions at work have been on autopilot, but you're staring at these statements for the first time and feeling a bit overwhelmed. Where would you start? What's your best advice to people for understanding this and kind of starting to make sense of it all? So yeah, that's a great question. And and if everyone has a pen and paper, please write this down. We can also put some of this information in the the show notes. Yeah, it's understanding what are all the different types of retirement accounts out there. And most likely you have one of these, if not a few of these, depending on how long that you have been earning an income. The first one and most common that you'll see is called an IRA. An IRA just stands for what's called a individual retirement account. And uh, this is an account that you can make contributions to if you have earned income. So just letting you know, child support, spousal support, alimony actually does not qualify as earned income. But if you are earning income from a job, a, a salary, something like that, you can go ahead and put money into this. If you were married and one of you, let's say you weren't working during that marriage, but your spouse was, then 
you may still may have an IRA in your name because you can make what's called a spousal contribution to that IRA. So, you know, even if you've been the one that has been uh, at home and, you know, taking care of the kids, it doesn't mean necessarily that you wouldn't have a uh, an IRA in your name. And the IRAs um, are usually that the individual accounts that you wouldn't see an IRA in joint names. No, you wouldn't. And actually, that's what's really, uh, you bring up a great point. You're never going to see joint names on any type of retirement account. Um, it's always going to be in one person's name. And so an IRA, you would see that there would be an IRA in your name, and then most likely or possibly an IRA in your spouse's name. And these uh, accounts can have a lot of money in them. You're able to make a contribution, a pretty substantial contribution for 2023. It actually went up to $6,500. And if there had been a 401k that you had, and we'll talk about what that is, but that's a retirement plan at an employer. Some people, when they leave their employer, They'll take that retirement plan and they'll roll it into their IRA. So, it, you know, some of these IRAs, I've seen IRAs worth a million dollars, $1.5 million, some pretty big numbers because it includes those dollars that someone's contributing every year. And again, like I said, the limit for someone under age 50 is 6500 If you're over age 50, you can put even more than that in to that IRA, but then often there'll be rollovers from uh, retirement plans from employers. So, And it's pretty easy to, to know the value of that IRA because yes. it's the statement that you get from the financial institution, the, the most of them change every day because they're somehow in, related to investments in the stock market, but it's the value that's on the statement is what we would use in terms of like a division of assets or a marital balance sheet and seeing like who's got what in their column. Yeah, exactly. And it's straightforward. Yeah, it's very straightforward. It's something that you'll be getting a statement from the custodian holding that money. Maybe it's a Vanguard, a Fidelity, a Charles Schwab. Um, And you get that on a monthly basis. And so it's very easy to know exactly what the current value is. And the assets though in the IRA... We talk about them being pre-tax. For for some of them, they are pre-tax, and some of them are actually what's called tax-free. So a traditional, or we could call it um, just a, a traditional IRA, you put money in and it will grow tax deferred until you ultimately take it out. And then when you take your money out, let's say it's, you know, at age... Uh, 65, then Uncle Sam is standing there with his hands out saying, <laughs> okay, you need to, you need to pay uh, federal, state, city, social security and Medicare uh, taxes on this. So the positive though of putting money away in this vehicle is that this money grows tax deferred. And so that if it earns $100 in one year, that full is working for you. You don't have to owe any taxes on that gain. And so it helps you grow your money faster. The second one, and you were talking a little bit about this too, is what's called a Roth IRA. And the way that I remember Roth is 
Roth IRAs, you actually get tax-free income. So you put the money in and the it continues. The money you put in is from is money that you've been taxed on, which is unlike on the IRAs, which comes out of pre-tax dollars. So the, the IRAs, IRAs. Yeah, traditional IRAs, you could get what's called a tax deduction on the dollars that you put in. But typically, most individuals to that regular IRA, the income limits are so low that that money is going in just as the normal dollars were to a Roth IRA. So the dollars that go into a regular IRA or a Roth IRA are the same dollars after tax that you would pay your rent or you would pay your mortgage, things like that. There are some individuals, and I'll have to take a look at, at what that, that limit is, but for a traditional IRA, typically you can't deduct your contribution unless you make below, I think it's below something like $50,000, something okay. quite quite low. And for the Roth IRA, not everybody can contribute to that either. So a traditional IRA, anyone can contri- contribute to, even Elon Musk can put money in that traditional IRA. Now, Elon Musk makes a lot more money than the amount that al- would allow him to deduct it. So he's not going to be able to deduct it, but he does get it in there. Now, if Elon Musk wants to make a contribution to a Roth IRA, even though I know there was a story, stories that just came out saying that his net worth dropped by XYZ and his income has dropped by XYZ, um, he still makes over the dollar amount that would allow him to put money in a Roth IRA. For individuals earning more than $30,000, you start to be phased out of being able to put money okay. in a Roth IRA. So there are some implications and some limits. But again, just remember, try and put your money in a Roth IRA because that grows again tax-free and you get that out, whatever double, tripled, quadrupled over time, get that out tax-free. That's the first thing that you should ideally do. If you make too much for money that, for that, then putting in what's called a non-deductible contribution to a traditional IRA is the next best thing. Um, and it's great for people who are self-employed or people that are you know, just starting out. And like I said, you can put in $6,000, 6500 for, for 2023, but you don't have to put in that full amount. You can put in whatever you, know, whatever you can afford. Right. So the, this is really important. And you, know, you, you bring up, you know, the difference between the traditional and, and the Roth and when you take money out of the traditional, you're being taxed on it. And when you take it out of the Roth, you're not. It has implications for a divorce. Right. And I'm sure you've seen that where a couple will say, all right, how about you take the Roth because it's worth about 100000 I'll just take the regular IRA because it's 100000 It's an even split. But it's not even. Right? I'm so glad you're raising this because, yes, I have run into this. And I like say, keep those two IRA types separate. Yeah, it's, it's like oil and water. Oil and water should, they never mix. <laughs> a, a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, when you're talking about the division, they should never be mixed either. They should be treated separately because the person who's saying, I'll go ahead and take that traditional IRA, if they're in the highest tax bracket, that 100000 after taxes might only leave them with $60,000, 
where the other person, when they take that out, they're getting the full 100000 Is that fair? Hmm. So, Not really. And it's pretty, it's easy to split IRAs. So, and there's not a really a cost associated with yeah. that. So, IRAs are extremely easy to split. And I'm so glad that you bring that up because that is a myth that I see. Um, some people believe that you have to use what's called a quadro, a qualified domestic relations order. And I will tell you, when we are splitting assets during a divorce, we work on typically 30 cases a year where we're, you know, modeling out the financial settlement, sometimes even testifying in court about what it should look like. We actually are the people who are the ones doing all the turning and the and the changes to move this asset from, you know, his name to his name or her name, whatever that might be. And we've spoken to people at Vanguard or Charles Schwab who say, no, 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 for, for this IRA split, you need to have a quadro from the court. And that is not true. That is not true. And it's very easy. All you have to do is submit the divorce decree or the legal separation documents. And it's very easy, very easy to, to have that split. So that don't sort of underscores like that you don't need to worry about minimizing the number of transactions because of an expense. It's more important to say, let's deal with the Roths, let's deal with the traditional. And if equalization is your goal, then equalize those separately yeah, and divide exactly. those accounts. I 100% agree with you, Mandy. Cool. Yeah. Stacey, we are going to take a short break here, but obviously we've only just scratched the surface and we've got lots <laughs> more to talk about. Listeners, my guest today is financial expert Stacey Francis. Stacey has a number of financial qualifications and is the founder of the nonprofit Savvy Ladies which has helped over 20,000 women through one-on-one financial counseling. You're listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. We'll be right back. Do stay tuned for more important information about what you need to know about handling retirement assets in divorce. Moving past divorce is hard enough without your old engagement ring staring you in the eye every time you open your jewelry box. With Worthy, you'll find a selling partner who will help you transform your ring from a symbol of the past to a financial asset to help you start fresh. Worthy takes care of everything, from insurance coverage to secure shipping, professional grading, and more. So when you're ready to sell, visit worthy.com. We're ready when you are. Welcome back to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. And in this episode, we're talking about handling retirement assets in divorce. My guest today is Stacey Francis. Stacey has a number of financial qualifications, and she's absolutely passionate about educating and empowering women to take control of their finances. She's the founder of the nonprofit Savvy Ladies, which has helped over 20,000 women through one-on-one financial counseling. Stacey, before we go back to our conversation about retirement assets, you're clearly passionate about helping women get comfortable talking about money and managing their money. I wondered if you could share with our listeners kind of briefly how this became such a passion of yours, why this is important to you. I'm happy to do so. I am very passionate and you can hear in my voice and it's because I learned early on when I was a little girl how important it is for individuals to 
to have financial knowledge and financial security. My grandmother was married to someone, my grandfather, who uh, abused her. And she felt financially trapped. And in talking to her, that's the reason why she felt like she could not leave. And so they never got a divorce. And ultimately, she ended up passing away because of the abuse. A lot of emotions from that, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, that I couldn't do something, that my grandfather was the person he was. And at a very young age, when I was, you know, in my my early 20s, losing her, I became just incensed with making sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else and that someone in a unhealthy or just even an unhappy relationship has the knowledge and the financial means to to be able to leave. And so that's why I, I started Francis Financial as well as Savvy Ladies. And as you say, Savvy Ladies is a nonprofit. We work with uh, typically women in need and we match them up with CFPs to work free of charge. I started Francis Financial the year after, so it's 20 years ago. And we're an independent financial planning wealth management firm. And that's something that I love to do. We work primarily with women going through the divorce process, testifying court if needed, doing the settlement tax impact and projecting out 5, 10, 20, even 30 years of where is she going to be based on the settlement and how can we enhance this to put her in the best financial position? Stacey, I'm so sorry about your grandmother. I didn't know that whole story. I am sure she is so proud of the work that you are doing and the impact that you are having. Mm, Thank you. She was a very special lady and I think of her a lot. In fact, I wore a dress that she left to me. It's about 50 years old now. Um, (laughs) So I feel very close to her. And, you know, she, she taught me a very valuable lesson that, you know, for individuals, our, our own financial security is, is it's just so important. And, it's part of the reason also why I really want to work with people going through divorce because this is when our financial security is most in jeopardy. And we're making decisions with the financial settlement that are going to affect us and actually, you know, our children for the rest of our life. I couldn't agree more on that. It's just so important. And I, you know, and I'm, I appreciate Worthy for having this, this podcast and really helping women to understand more about what going through divorce means and empowering them to make informed decisions. So, and thank you again for your time today. I want us to jump back to retirement conversations and I'm going to leave the IRAs behind and talk about more about employer plans. And I think broadly there's the defined benefit and defined contribution And could you help our listeners understand what is the difference between those two? Yep. Yeah, no, I'm happy to explain the difference and then give examples of of each. What most people are familiar with are what's called defined contribution. And those are, it's an alphabet soup, but 401ks, which you're going to see at a typical public company. But if you work for the government or a nonprofit or an educational system, if you're part of the ministry, then hospitals. often you'll see hospitals, exactly. You'll see 457, 403B, TDA, and 457 plans. So these are some of the names that you might see 
but just know that in reality, they think of them as 401ks. They're pretty much the same thing. They're pretty much the same thing with just some, some nuances. So, and the defined contribution, how you remember that, is that you as the employee are defining what your contribution is to it. So for 2023, you can put in 22500 into a 401k. If you are over age 50, you can put an additional amount. And that is something that you essentially, you are, you are making a contribution that comes out of your paycheck. And there's a often def- an employee, uh, sorry, an employer contribution as well. Yes. And that's what's so beautiful about using these retirement plans often your employer will give you a match or even a profit sharing. And I liken it to Madden D. I live here in New York City. If I was walking along and I saw a $100 bill, um, <laughs> like, would you just leave it there? Now, what I would do is I, I'd pick it up and I'd say, okay, did anyone lose this $100 bill? I don't want any of you listeners to think that I'm going to steal it. <laughs> but but we wouldn't just walk past it, right? We would, we would take notice. But literally, hundreds of thousands of Americans are, are leaving these matches on the table because they're not putting any money into that defined contribution plan, which is known as a 401k, 403b or so. The defined contribution plans are also pretty easy to know what the value of them is because you just look at your statement. Yeah, just look at your statement. Super easy. It's right there. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Two things to, to know though. Number one, When you look at that statement for your 401k, 401ks can be regular 401ks, traditional 401ks, or they can be Roth 401ks. And that means that in the Roth, just like a Roth IRA, the dollars come out and they are tax-free. But you don't get a tax benefit currently for putting money currently for that Roth IRA. The regular 401k when you put money in, you get essentially a, a pretty big deduction. It's if you make $100,000 and you put that $20,000 in, you're only going to be taxed on $80,000 of your compensation. But again, Uncle Sam, like a regular IRA, a regular 401k, when you take money out, Uncle Sam will be there and you will be needing to pay taxes. So that's the first thing because guess what? If you have a regular 401k and a traditional 401k at your employer, which many people have both, and they contribute to both. So sorry, only going to get like a regular 401k and a Roth 401k. Sorry, a regular 401k and a Roth 401k. Many people have both. And when you get the statement, the statement includes the sum amount. Often what they'll do is they'll put those two numbers together in those two accounts. And I have seen individuals try to be very naughty in the divorce and say, (laughs) you take half, I'll take the other half. And the half they take is the Roth Roth 401k. So the same thing as we were talking about with the IRAs and the Roth IRAs is you you really want to make sure that those accounts- Separate buckets. The separate buckets because of the different way that they're taxed ultimately. Exactly. Exactly, Mandy. Um, And then the second thing also, take a look at that value. Many times the value isn't the correct value because there might be a loan outstanding Uh, on the 401k. Yes. And this has happened to a few people too, where they, their lawyers 
or professionals or they themselves didn't look through the whole statement and it said $300,000 value. Well, in reality, it's only 250000 because they had a $50,000 loan on the 401k. And when it gets distributed, you know, only 250000 gets distributed, right? Because the loan has to be paid back before it would be distributed. So, you know, the, the rule is of, yes, they're easy to see what the value is, but go through every single page yeah, to make sure there's no loans and to understand is there a Roth 401k portion as well as a regular 401k portion. Those are excellent points. I'm so glad that you brought them up. You know, and and we can't kind of go, we don't have time to go in deeper into these things. So I'm going to ask us to to jump to what you were going to talk about before the defined benefit. Yeah, so defined benefit, typically you're not making a contribution. Usually your your employer is making a contribution for you. But sometimes there are a few places where you can contribute as well. But what's unique about it is that the benefit that you receive is defined. And so the way that that looks like is typically it will say that when you retire at age 65, you are entitled to an income from this pension of $10,000 a month for life. And you can get once a year, typically once a year in January, the company does send out a statement that says, what is the current you know, value of that stream of income that you're entitled to at age 65? So you can often see that there's a lump sum, but the challenge is, is that you're not going to be getting a monthly report where a defined contribution, a 401k plan would show you that. This is going to be produced from the employer, and typically you're only getting that accounting once a year. So there's not as much visibility into where it might be, you know, six months year into the year. Let's say we're getting a divorce in June and we're trying to figure out what the exact dollar amount is. But if you, yes, and I think that those defined benefit plans are always more complicated to deal with, but it's really good to know right up front that that's the situation that you're in. And I think most individuals would need then to call upon another financial expert for some assistance in understanding what that defined benefit plan was. I like to start by telling people to call the provider, the plan sponsor, and see if they have a brochure. A lot of them have brochures on what the options are in divorce, and it'll tell you whether the plan can be divided now or whether you'll have to wait for, for retirement, and then at retirement, what the options are for splitting payments. Yeah, and I, um, the way that you split these accounts is typically what's called a quadro. That's what I referred to before. So for a 401k or a pension defined benefit plan, um, you are going to need a, a quadro, and those are drafted by legal professionals. And it's actually the area cost associated with that. Yep, there, there, there definitely is. Typically, we see five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars per quadro, but it's a pretty good investment because you're looking at these assets, and often they're very valuable assets. That quadro provider also is going to make sure that they are working with the employer and understanding the minutia of how this could be split and really protecting you to make sure that what you're entitled to 
you truly do walk away with. So again, just make sure that you understand what all the assets are, that you've been able to identify them and make sure that you have the right professionals to help you make sure that they're being split appropriately. Right. And I think definitely with defined benefit plans, you're going to need professional help with that because they, they're complicated. Phenomenally complicated. And you know, we've, we've had situations where people have come to us, the pension was split and upon age 65, when he collects, she then gets 50% of the benefit at that time. I've seen two things happen. One of them, he died before age 65 Mm -hmm. and the beneficiary was his new wife. Yeah. Big problem, right? Big problem. The second one is that we've seen, you know, come up to age 65 and they says when he collects at age 65 and he decides that he doesn't want to retire. Right. And so she's just sitting there. So these are all things that can be addressed to make sure that she's protected or he's protected, whoever the, the non-employee spouse is. Um, so again, back to understanding at the very, very beginning, at the start of all that conversation, that you're dealing with a defined benefit plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's really important, really important. And for a good number of people, they don't even realize that, that their spouse has this plan. And so, you know, making sure that in the discovery process that all of that information is put forth and that if you feel that you're not getting the full scope of of information, have your lawyer subpoena the employer and they will have to release all the information, not only on the defined benefit plan, but the defined contribution plan, um, what they have in them. And also there could be it could be deferred compensation. They could have other yeah. types of compensation, such as restricted stock units or stock options, right. right? incentive stock options. There's there's just a whole plethora <laughs> of things that you may not know about. And the employer has to fork all that information over to you. And, and I do have to say is, you know, if you feel like your spouse is withholding, I mean, talk to your lawyer and, and ask if, if that's something that you should be doing is reaching out to his employer to get that information. Right. right. Well, that's really smart advice. Stacey, we are up on time and, you know, oh my gosh, I feel like there's so much we haven't had a chance to talk about, but I think we've, we've got a, a kind of a basic foundation for our listeners to kind of take a look at those retirement assets and start to understand what they have. And I really appreciate you walking us through that. Well, thank you. And if anyone wants to learn a little bit more about these and dive in, we have fantastic resources on our website at www.francisfinancial.com. Both there's our podcast called Financially Ever After for uh, individuals going through divorce. And we have about 300 episodes. We've been doing this now for five years. Wow. And then we also have some great resources. I I wrote a book called Unveiling the Unspoken Truth, and it's all about finances during and after divorce. All of these things that we talked about today, we dive even deeper into. And I can put show in the show notes uh, for you a link so that all of you, if anyone wants to download it, you're very welcome. It has worksheets and spreadsheets and great tables where it just takes everything you need to know about finances during the divorce process and 
and the settlement agreement to what to do after. It's it's a really helpful, helpful resource. Stacey, thank you so much. Yeah, we will definitely make sure that that goes into the, the show notes. And again, I, you know, that speaks to your passion about helping people understand and educating women. And I appreciate you making all of these resources available at no cost. So thank you. Of course. Well, thank you, Mandy. And I'm wishing everybody out there success and happiness and financial security. Thanks for listening to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. Worthy is a selling partner you can trust to help you get the best deal possible on your diamond jewelry. Visit worthy.com to learn more and get started. If you have questions about an episode, compliments you'd like to share, or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcast at worthy.com. Follow the podcast at We Are So Worthy on Instagram or see our Facebook page, Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, for information about the show. Please see our show notes at worthy.com forward slash podcast for resources and more information about today's episode and guest. I'm your host, Mandy Walker. You can learn more about me at mandywalker.com. Huge thank yous to Worthy's production team. Listen, follow, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Our next episode will be live in two weeks, so stay tuned. Stay tuned.